Hello and welcome back. This is episode 11 of Magnastics, and this will be our final episode before the Tokyo 2020 2021 Olympics. I don't I don't know what year to call it. <laughs> I keep everything I write on the website. I keep putting 2021, but I guess officially it's 2020. I don't know. Yeah, they they're keeping all the marketing and saying 2020. So whatever you want to call it, the Olympics. <laughs> I think the first thing that we're going to talk about, well, last week it was finally officially determined that Oleg Vernyayev of Ukraine was not going to the Olympics. He was not put on the roster. That was released by, um, what is it, the Ukrainian Olympic Committee? Yeah, although they didn't actually announce the team. We have to go, like, digging through the Olympic website for it. But Yes, and then literally just hours before we were due to record this, Oleg finally posted on Instagram about his suspension, and he said he tested positive for meldonium back in November. So about a month prior to the European Championships, and he is suspended for four years, which not only puts him out of the Tokyo Olympics, but also knocks him out of Paris in 2024. So he is currently appealing that. Obviously, it hasn't been resolved in time for Tokyo. Um, Remains to be seen if... They'll shorten his suspension so he can go to Paris or if the suspension will hold and maybe he'll just retire. We'll see. Or, I mean, I wouldn't put him past it, put it past him to not retire and just come back in four years. Like after Paris, you mean? Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that would just be so Oleg. Yeah, who knows? It's so weird because we always made fun of him for, you know, competing nonstop. And now it's just can't do anything for four years. Yeah. And he maintains that he is innocent. So we'll see how that goes, I guess. Speaking of another reigning Olympic gold medalist who's not going to be in Tokyo. Kenzo Shirai has announced his retirement and everyone's very sad about it. Yeah, I think this can be filed under like worst news ever. Like we we knew that he didn't really stand a chance of being selected as a representative for Japan either as an individual or as part of the team just because He's had a hard time with injuries the past couple years, but, you know, it's it's still sad. Almost everybody loves him, so. Yeah, and I, it's just, the reason it's surprising, even though he uh, wasn't going to make any teams, is just because I feel like a lot of the time Japanese guys just keep competing, even when they're not making teams. They just hang around and compete domestically for their clubs and stuff. So him Right, like like Yusuke Tanaka. He's like 32 now. He just became the Parallel Bars national champion, but like he's 
not making any international teams and he's still going yeah or like um Ryohei hasn't made any teams since uh Rio and he's still going sort of and so they just they tend to stick around for a really long time so I thought you know Kenzo would stick around and just like have fun competing because he came second on floor at um all japan event championships and he was having a great time there's like there are a lot of articles in the japanese news about how you know he was really happy to be competing like without the pressure of making the team or anything like that so i was quite surprised by the retirement but he also said that the reason for his retirement wasn't because he like felt like he couldn't keep going, but just because he really wanted to uh, become a full-time coach at his club, which is really nice. He wanted to like pass on his knowledge and he said that coaching just makes him really happy. So that's nice. Bittersweet, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm happy for him. And I'm glad it wasn't like a he's he's going retirement. out yeah he's going out on his own terms yeah but also you know obviously this is not how you want the career of probably the greatest floor worker of all time to end definitely bittersweet in other news. Um, in addition to banning foreign spectators at the Olympics, they've now banned Japanese spectators. So there's going to be like no spectators except, you know, some of the actual delegates, I guess. Definitely going to be a really weird atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's the right choice for, you know, safety and stuff. Other than outright canceling the Olympics, which is probably what should have been done. Yes. Well. Japan and the IOC are at a stalemate, so they're happening. Yeah. But the only thing, obviously it's the best choice, but the only thing I'm sad about is I had like these visions of Kohei, like being in the high bar final and like sticking his dismount and the crowd goes wild and he wins Olympic gold and... Obviously, you know, the rest of it can still happen, but without the crowd. But <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. I can dream. On to actual competitions. I believe after our last episode, we left off. Well, no, we left out a lot of things last time. <laughs> but um, we're going to start with the Varna World Cup. It was one of the... 17 million competitions that Ukraine went to. <laughs> yes. And uh, Ilya did pretty well at this one. I don't think I watched most of this. So we're just going to talk about the medalists briefly. Um, on floor, uh, it was actually a tie with Aurel Benovic of Croatia and Artem Dolgopiat of Israel with a 14.950. Um, however, Benovic got the gold because he had one-tenth lower difficulty. That was Benovic's first time doing the 6.5 routine, I think. So 
Yeah, I remember we both saw that and were like, whoa. Yeah, he had been doing like a 6.3, I think, up until then. So, and he's only like 20 years old. So I think the next cycle, we're really going to see him make more finals and probably more podiums. And then for bronze, that was Hayden Skinner with a 14.6. For Pommel Horse, uh, Ilya Kofton won this one with a 14.550. Eduardo De Rosa of Italy uh, came in second with a 14.450. I think this was his first senior medal. If I recall correctly, he won um, Pommel Horse at the Junior European Championships a couple years back. But I think this was his first senior medal, internationally, anyway. Um, And then bronze went to Abdullah Azimov of Uzbekistan with a 14.150. And he was just ahead of Cyril Thomasson of France, who had a 14.1. For rings, uh, Vincent Hook of Austria came in first with a 14.8. Salvatore Maresca of Italy was second with a 14.7. And then Marco Sargerio, also of Italy, came in third with a 14.450. Vault, this was a little surprising. Vault was won by Nazar Chapurny of Ukraine with a 14.7 average. I actually, I remember I watched that because I saw the vaults and I was like, I feel like they should have scored higher. Really? Yeah. Unless I'm, unless that was a different competition, but I swear that one and I was like, I don't know, I expected higher scores because they were both really good vaults. I turned it on just after Marian Dragulescu's vault, who, he came in second. And I think he had a near-perfect handspring double front for the second vault. It got a 9.5 execution. So he had a 14.525 average. I don't know how often Dragulescu is going to be doing his own vault now because it's deteriorated in recent years. So I think think going for the vault without the extra half-twist was probably a good call. Yeah, it's interesting because before, like, this year, I don't remember him ever doing just a double front. Yeah, definitely not before 2019 Worlds. Yeah, because, like, obviously this was a very long time ago now, but the reason he, like, invented the Dragalescu vault was because he couldn't land a double front. Well, I think he solved that problem. Yes, he definitely <laughs> he definitely did, but... Yeah, it's, so it's it's interesting. Yeah, and his his other vaults also downgraded, right? He's only doing a yeah one and a half. Yeah, the Yurchenko half on one and a half off. If he wants to try really hard, he can go for the Li Xiaoping, but he hasn't in quite a while. And I think the last time he did it, it wasn't great, so. Yeah, I think anyway. even the last time he went for a, a double off, it was dicey. Yeah. And then third place went to Ivan Tikhonov with a 14.3 average. 
On parallel bars, uh, Kovtun got another gold with a 15.1. Sergei Eltsov of Russia came in second with a 14.950. And in third was Robert Forgal with a 14.35. Then high bar. High bar was fun. You would say that. (laughs) You know what? I keep wanting to say that my favorite event is actually parallel bars, but then all of my favorite gymnasts are really good on high bars. So I'm probably Tim doesn't lying do to parallel myself. bars, so obviously your favorite no, event is high well, bar because it's Tim's event. <laughs> well, I mean other than other than Tim. Anyway, Tim won this one with a 14.85. Uh, Carlo McKinney came in second with a 14.65. And then Christian Balash came in third with a 14.35. Was that is that his first senior international medal, Balash? Uh, I don't know. I want to say no, but I'm not positive. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Okay, yes, I'm wrong. That is... Uh... Balash's first senior medal, so that's very exciting. I forgot he had competed as a junior throughout all of 2020, so yeah. And the the next World Cup on our list is the Osijek World Cup. Um, again, just going to go through this one relatively quickly. Floor, the winner was Milad Karimi with a 14.866. Aurel Benovich was quite a ways back in second with a 14.133 and Hayden Skinner picked up another bronze with a 14.066. Pommel horse uh, was a pretty close race between the top two. Uh, Matvey Petrov ended up coming out on top with a 15.166 and Nariman Kurbanov was in second with a 15.033. And then in third, Again, quite a ways back was Christopher Mazarosh with a 14.066. Rings was pretty fun. Vincent Hook and Salvatore Maresca ended up tying for first. They both got a 14.9 and had the same difficulty and everything. So they both were super happy about it. It was very fun. And then the bronze went to Adam Asiel with a 14.866. And like... I knew he was good at rings, but I think this was, like, a personal best for him. Yeah, I feel like I haven't seen him score quite that high before. So, for vault, Igor Radivolov was the winner here with a 14.716 average. Um, in second place was Adam Asiel with a 14.466 average. And he busted out... This Risa Guangtu, the Pike Dragulescu, out of nowhere. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Like, hold I, um, the pike position, straight legs. He took a couple steps back on the landing, but the in-air form was, like, perfection. Yeah, I remember I, I turned the stream on, like, halfway through or, like, towards the end of the vault final when he went up. And he did it, and I was like, did I just imagine that? Like, I think, I think my stream was ahead of yours, because I remember messaging you, and, like, you were a couple seconds behind, and I started flipping in, and you're like, what's going on? 
Yeah, you were like, oh my god, what just happened? And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just was not expecting that at all. I wasn't either. And not only for him to do it, but for him to do that vault so well was like mind blowing. Yeah, and like the times that he's done, like I think we've seen him do it maybe three times now. Two? Two times? I think just two here in oh. um, Osijek and then Doha. Oh, well, anyway, the, the second time he competed as well, it was still just as good. I think, like, getting the landing under control is his, like, biggest problem here. But Right. He also has some problems on his souk double pike, which is significantly worse than the pike check Alescu. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is funny. Because m- I think most people would have problems the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting. And, like, coming in with the, like, last-minute upgrades before the Olympics. So Here for it. Yes. <laughs> so excited. And then the bronze uh, went to Milad Karimi with a 14.433 average. So pretty close behind a seal, but... Did he? Which vaults did he do? Because uh, sometimes he does... He like, did a 5.6 and a 5.2. Okay, because I know sometimes he can do two 5.6, but sometimes he only does two 5.2. So. And then parallel bars, Farad Arachan won this one with a 14.833. Uh, Milad Karimi picked up another medal, silver this time, with a 14.666. And David Huddleston got the bronze with a 14.266. On high bar, Tin Serbich won this one again with a 14.9. He finally did his 6.5 routine. I was so excited because, like, he's done it in training, but he's never put all of it together in competition before. And I was like, Tin, when are you going to do this before Tokyo? You said you were going to compete it at least once. When are you going to do it? So, of course, he had to do it at his home World Cup. And then Silver went to Christian Balash with a 14.433. And then Bronze went to Adam Asil with a 14.133. So, Asil cleaned up that weekend with medals on Rings Vault and High Bar, which is kind of an unusual combination. Yeah, he's, he's been picking up the high bar medals all over the place these days. Very impressive. Just wrapping up our World Challenge Cups, uh, we also had the first World Cup in Cairo. So I didn't actually watch this because this was the weekend that like 10 million competitions were going on. But I did watch it and it was cool (laughs) yes it was a fun time it's actually really frustrating because i can't find finals scores for this world cup and that means i can't put them into my spreadsheet so i thought i would like i haven't been able to find like the pdfs or like a live scoring thing so i thought maybe i would have to rewatch it to get the scores and i can't even find like a broadcast or I found one 
and it was like not available to me and like my VPN didn't go to the one country allowed by the host. So yeah. Anyway, other than the lack of scores, there was pretty good promotion and coverage by the Egyptian Federation. They were super excited to host this big event for them. I was looking on on my Twitter to see if I posted any results, but I literally only posted the floor final results. Oh, I also posted rings final results. That's it. Floor and rings. <laughs> well, do you want to talk about them then? <laughs> Since we have no other scores. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Just say who got first, second, third. Okay, so floor... First was Ilya Kovtun, uh with 14.2. And then second was Thomas Kuzmakas of Lithuania. And third was Michaelis Chari? Kari? I don't know how. I want, I want to say it's Chari. Okay. Michaelis Chari of Cyprus. And then... I do remember, I don't have the results, but I do remember that Ilya Kovtun also won Pommel Horse and that Nazar Ciponi got bronze on Pommel Horse, but I don't remember who was second. And then for rings, Ali Zaran of Egypt won with 14.7. And then second was... That's one of his better scores. Yes. It was a very, very good routine. Because I know he has... A competitive difficulty he's usually at a 6.2 but he often doesn't score that well on the execution side which I don't know is a little strange to me I feel like he's underscored a lot but whatever I think a lot of his deductions come from his dismount probably yeah and silver on rings was Javadan Babayev of Azerbaijan and third was Roman Vashenko of Ukraine. And also, I just want to say that um, Ilya Kovtun also made the rings final, um, <laughs> which I found really funny because, bless him, he's not good on rings. <laughs> and he came last. So, yeah, and that's all I've got. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that. I watched the second day of event finals because I remember it, but I, I don't, it did not appear to have posted the results. Maybe I didn't watch the second day of event finals. Uh, no, I no. did. I did because right. I remember that NASA hit, hit a high bar routine and I was like, oh my God, this hasn't happened in years. So, anyway, at this Cairo World Cup that I didn't watch, um, you said you were really impressed with, you know what, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce this, Lace Najjar, who represents Syria. You said he had a really nice floor, and he also won the silver on vault, which I think is Syria's first World Cup medal in gymnastics. I have no idea. Pretty sure it was. Najar is actually from the Chicago area, but obviously represents Syria. And 
he will be starting at the University of Michigan this fall. Very exciting. Um, I think Ilya won a highball medal, and I think Nazar won a, a vault medal. I don't remember what else happened. You can tell who I was paying the most attention to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know what else happened, because as you say, we don't have scores. Yeah, the only videos available are, like, highlights of the finals, but I don't think we have full scores, which is frustrating. Oh, wait. Hold on. There's a, a article on the fake website. They don't mention who took bronze on ball. That's great. Did they say who took gold and silver? <laughs> yeah. Well, it says Najar got silver on men's vault behind Chipurni. Um, oh, he won. <laughs> yeah, didn't we just say that? I, th- I don't know. I just remembered that he won a medal and maybe Ilya got bronze. Yeah, so Chipurni won vault and Najar got second. So Kaftan won floor, pommel horse, and high bar. Oh, and then he got the bronze on vault in parallel bars. So he got five medals over the whole weekend, which is four crazy. No, he got three golds and two bronze. Oh yeah, sorry, I sorry. (laughs) Parallel bars was won by Robert Torgal, but I don't have scores. I have most of the medalists, but no scores. So. Going to talk about a couple of the national championships before we get to, you know, who was actually selected for the teams and um, the Doha World Cup and other stuff. So first, I'll just mention the German nationals. Uh, Lucas Dowser won the all around. He also won floor and parallel bars. Some other news for Germany. Marcel Nguyen um, is injured, so he's not going to Tokyo. Um, This would have been his fourth Olympics if he was selected, which is kind of crazy to think about. I feel like everyone just forgets that he went to Beijing in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. He's been around a long time. Well, he's he's like 31, 32 now. Yeah, but he's also not actually that much older than a lot of the other, like, German guys who haven't been like making the big teams for as long so so marcel didn't compete at the national championships and the whole team just made t-shirts with his picture on it and it was kind of hilarious but also very cute anyway we'll get to the german olympic team in a couple minutes france also held their national championships Larisse Frasca and Samir Aisai did not participate. I have no idea why. Um, Probably to protect themselves before the Olympics. Possibly. Because I they're, mean, also... they're smart, unlike some other countries. <laughs> so the all-around champion for France is Julien Gabot. He was injured back in, like, 2019, So if he was at full strength, it's totally possible that he would have qualified to Tokyo through all around and Frasca may have qualified through like 
vault or floor or something, but uh, obviously that didn't happen. And then just this past weekend, after the deadline to announce your Olympic representatives, Italian. Which, didn't, which did not affect the men, but is still, you know, for, stupid. For the, for the women, yeah, they were. The deadline to announce your teams was July 5th, I think. Mm-hmm. And the Italian women got, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Screwed over. No, they got they got they got permission to wait like I don't think they actually did though. I think it was like this is the team, but we'll have nationals and then we'll see. I don't know. Mess anyway. Whatever. I saw I saw something that said he got like a petition accepted for a delay. I don't know. Anyway. So we had Italian nationals and it was something I was Really waiting for a head-to-head battle of Marco Lodadio and Salvatore Maresca on rings because Maresca has been having a fantastic year so far. Have to admit, I wasn't really paying attention to him before this year. He didn't anyway. really go to any big competitions. I think the only thing he went to before this was like Veronin Cup. Anyway, Maresca is doing really well this year, so I was excited to see how he would match up to you know, world medalist Ladadio. Marco upgraded to a 6.4 routine, which I thought was super exciting. He did a really good routine, um, just a small hop on the dismount. And I didn't see it because I wasn't watching, but Maresca fell on his dismount. So Ladadio is the national champion on rings. The other thing that I thought was pretty exciting was that Nicola Bartolini and Niccolò Mazzato, um, who won the all-around for the Junior Europeans a few years back, tied for floor champion. I was not expecting that. Well, um, Mazzato was Junior European floor champion um, the same year he won the all-around. But also I think it's it's cute that they tied and they're like Nicola and Niccolò. I think that's, yes. that's cute. That's basically all I have to say. <laughs> All right, and then Ludovico Adali, for the fourth time, won the all-around title. And he is going to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And Bartolini is not. So. <sighs> Unlucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think now we can get to the more dramatic things. Um, did you want to talk about Russian Cup or Olympic teams or? Oh, I forgot about Russian Cup. I didn't watch that. <laughs> I mean, Nikita won. Surprise. Surprise. He won by like seven points. <laughs> That's um, a t- over two days, right? Yeah, over two days, even though he was counting like two falls. Didn't he fall on the triple pike? He did. And so on the first day he fell on the triple pike and then he also fell on pommel horse, which is, I mean, I don't want to say it's that surprising because, I mean, it's pommel horse, but also like I I don't really remember when the last time Nikita fell was. I think it was like 2018 Worlds. It was just like, we're like, oh my God, okay, so he can fall um 
but uh, I don't think he had any falls on day two. He actually his his all around score on day one with the two falls was like eighty seven. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And like it was like his floor score was a little bit insane, but like his other like the scoring wasn't ridiculous aside from floor, in my opinion. So yeah, it was like oh my god. I think if he'd had like a clean day, they would have given him 89, which I would like to see, even if it's not actually realistic. But I know <laughs> it is kind of realistic for him, so I kind of want to see it. Yeah, um, well, he did get a, was it 88.772 at Worlds? It, yeah, it was seven, yeah, something. 88.772 at Worlds in 2019. So it I could like happen. I would like to see it. I would like to see it very much. Especially if he does his full difficulty. Yeah. Then, so second, seven points behind Nikita, was uh, Sasha Kartsev. And then David Belyavsky didn't do all-around. He didn't do floor or vault. And third all-around was Nikita Ignatiev. And it seems like he's first reserve for the Olympic team, which makes sense. Sucks to be alternate again. Yeah. Well, at this point, five years ago, he was technically still on the team, so. Well, yeah, at least there wasn't the drama this time around. Yeah. And speaking of drama, after did four events, he didn't do dismounts on three of them. So he did full routines on pommel horse, and then he also did rings, p-bars, and high bar without dismounts. And he actually looked really good, all things considered. I was quite impressed by how, like, he looks normal, aside from not having dismounts, which is kind of crazy. And then today, like, literally today, Nikita uploaded a vlog that had footage of Arta doing P-bars and high-bar dismounts. And I would just like to say I am terrified. Yeah, I think a lot of us are. At this point, I'm honestly, I'm just relieved he's ruled out doing floor and vault at the Olympics. Yeah. Ivan Stretovich won floor and high bar, but he doesn't have all around back. He was only, you know, did floor, high bar and vault, but only one vault. So he wasn't in contention for the team. And personally, I would have probably picked him for a plus one. But I understand why they didn't also. So, All right. I guess we can talk about the Chinese Olympic team selection. Yeah. So remember how last episode I said I will be super shocked if the team is not Xiaotong, Sunwei, uh, Zhou Jingwan and Zhang Bohang. And I was like, that's going to be the team. That's like, it would be really shocking if that's not the team they picked. You jinxed it. I jinxed it. So if you weren't already aware, Lin Chopin was selected instead. Instead and of uh, Zhang Bohong. Yes. And it nobody makes no was sense. really. <laughs> it doesn't. Their explanation is. With the other three guys on the team, they specifically wanted to fill a hole on high bar because I think 
they're doing high bar last or they're anticipating doing it last in team final. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it was it was the anticipation of if they qualify top two, obviously, then the last event will be high bar. And the last two worlds, they've had someone fall in that last rotation on high bar. And in 2018, it nearly cost them gold. And in 2019, it pretty much did cost them gold. So I can understand that they're like, oh, God, this has happened two years in a row. We don't want this to happen again. But also, I don't think the value of having Lin Chaopan in that spot to do that is enough to outweigh the amount of points that Zhang Wohong would add to the team. Right. So, so just to clarify, China is saying that they want someone with experience who knows that kind of pressure to fill that high bar spot. And because Zhang Guang doesn't really have any, well, no, not any, he has very little international experience. They didn't want to risk it on high bar, but like he's, it doesn't make sense because at the last Olympic trial, he outscored everyone. Like he got the highest high bar score And, I mean, it wasn't that much higher, but it was still higher. And the benefit that he brings to the other events kind of negates that whole argument. Yeah, and I'm specifically thinking of rings where if they take Lin Chaopan, then they're going to have to use Zhao Tung on rings. And Zhao Tung has like half a shoulder in his entire body. He didn't even um, do rings at the last trial that they had, so. Yeah, like, he's got no shoulders, but he's still better on rings than Lin Chapan, so they would put him up in the team final, and then, like, what are they... He could get hurt, like... Uh, it's just not... It's a terrible strategy. And Zhang Bohong is really good on rings, like, high 14s good on rings. Maybe not gonna medal at like worlds or olympics but finalist territory for sure yeah and also his vault is much better and more consistent than lin chaopan's and like his p-bars are also comparable i just don't it makes it makes no sense yeah i think china and ukraine are the only two team selections where we're just like what? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I this is definitely like the Ukraine one. I disagree with it, but I understand. But this one I'm just like this makes no sense. Like they basically for me I think if they had put Zhang Bohong on the team, for me that team would have been the favorites for gold. But without him and with Lin Xiaopan on the team instead, I would consider them like neck and neck with Japan. So I guess this is a good transition to the Ukraine selection. Yes. So I think we said last time that besides Kaftan and Radivilov, who were already locks, it was basically just seeing how Petro Pachniuk did at the World Cup that he went to. He did fine. So 
he's going. And we figured the last spot is was probably going to be Nazar Chaperni. And it was not. Yeah. So Yevgen Yudenkov also went to the same World Cups as Petro. And I don't think he made any finals. Like, he did not do very well. And, like, Naza is also very inconsistent. So I kind of get it, but I'm also, like, I also don't get it. Yeah, so unlike China, Ukraine did not provide an explanation. Again, they didn't, like, formally announce it either. People had to go digging for it. But, um... This was eventually confirmed because I saw a picture of Yudankov wearing the, like, Olympic kit. So it doesn't really make any sense. I'm sure they're also going with, like, the experience argument. But, like, it's the, I don't know. I'm not saying I agree with that argument. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just guessing that's the reasoning they used. Yeah, that would that would be my guess as well because Udenkov has been to, I think, two World Championships and um, also a few Euros. So. Oh, I just realized uh, we forgot to mention that um, Vladimir Kostyuk got injured and had to get was it shoulder surgery? So yeah. that's why he, that's why he wasn't in contention. Otherwise, that last spot could have gone to him as well. Yeah, I mean, so after. Kostya came seventh at Europeans. I was like, they've got to put him on the team. He's got to be on the team. But then he went to all these World Cups that Kovtun and Chapani also went to, but he was only doing floor. And I was like, that's really weird. Floor isn't even his best event. So I was like, oh, I think maybe he's injured or like, I don't know what's going on. Turns out he was injured and he had to get surgery. I don't know why he went to all these competitions before getting surgery if he was already injured I don't know but maybe try um, and see if he could work through it I have no idea yeah but because like he did so much better than Udenkov at Europeans obviously he made the all-around final over Udenkov and then came seventh I really think he could he would have been on the team if he was healthy which just makes me sad because he's I really like him he's so good oh well I guess we'll have to wait for Paris yeah and, like, Kosciuk is, as he's the same age as Cofton. He's also a 2003 kid. So, I mean, he wasn't supposed to be eligible for this Olympics, so it's not, like, this big heartbreak that he can't go, but it, it does suck a little bit. But I don't know. I don't know how bad the, the injury is, like, how major the surgery was, so maybe he'll be able to go to Worlds. I don't know. But yeah, that's um, that's that pretty much. <laughs> All right, so on to our final Olympic qualifying competition, the Doha World Cup. I think the only thing that everyone was pretty much looking forward to was rings because of obvious reasons, and also because that would have decided a couple other events. But um, we're gonna start with floor. Dolgo Piat won that one with a 15.033. Raider Lee Zapata came in second with a 14.933. And he got the Zapata 2 named 
which is basically just a layout Zapata, which is insane. Double yeah. front layout with one and a half twists. Yeah, I, I kind of, like, thought about that skill before, like, because um, I think Zapata and Dogopia both do it quite, like, open tuck um, when they do the Zapata. So I was like, oh, what if someone did it laid out? But, like, I didn't think it was actually going to happen anytime soon. So when he put up the training videos, it was like, oh, my God, what? Sidebar, um, I know Aurel Benovich has trained a piked one so maybe we'll see that from him eventually but i don't know he posted that video months ago so i don't think it'll happen for a while yeah so then the bronze went to antonios tantalitis of greece with a 14.7 i was not expecting that i think he improved his execution several times um, like, he's had pretty good difficulty for a while, but this was the cleanest routine I think he's ever done. So, yeah. Pommel horse. Before Doha, Kohei Kamayama was basically who we expected to win this spot. Yeah, basically, no matter how things went for for rings and parallel bars, I think we were expecting Kamayama to win. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, because there were no Japanese guys in contention on those events, so. Right. So what it really came down to was if Saeedra Keka of Iran could outright win the spot. So not only would he have to win, he would have to win with a certain score, similar to Petronius. He did one of the best routines I've ever seen him do, but. He was so close, but didn't quite get that score he needed. He got a 15.2, and I think he needed, like, was it a 15.3 something? It was 15.3, so he was 0.1 off. So close. Yeah. Anyway, Nariman Kurbanov came in second with a 15.033, and then Kamiyama came in third with a 14.6. So... It didn't matter too much how Kamayama did today, or sorry, not today, <laughs> did in did in Doha, <laughs> but yeah, Kamayama got the spot anyway, so. And ranks, the event everyone was waiting for. Again, similar to Keika, not only did Petronius have, had to win, he had to win with a certain score, and we weren't sure if he could do it. And then Petronius got a 15.5, which was like, I mean, it was very nerve wracking, but. Yeah. I. <laughs> so when, when I watched, I did watch this one and I watched it and I was like, oh, I can't, I can't call it because he had a couple little things in there that you don't usually see, like just like small flickers. Um, that you don't usually see from him in like his best routines, which are the ones that get these kind of scores. So I was like, ooh, I don't know, like maybe he'll get the score he needed, which was 15.333. Like maybe, maybe not, I don't know. And then it came up with 15.5 and I was like, hmm. A little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. 
And I don't think it was better than the routines he did at Europeans, which scored lower. Yeah, um, that was a 15.4. Yeah. So it just, like, I don't want to be a killjoy because obviously it was, like, the big he's qualified and, like, everyone was so happy and it would have sucked if he hadn't qualified and I'm not saying he didn't deserve to qualify because like I said I thought it would go either way Mm -hmm. but it just like the kind of blatant overscoring to make sure he got the spot just doesn't really sit right with me it makes me feel uncomfortable Liu Yang is going to be in Tokyo anyway. He was selected for China's plus one spot. So we'll be able to see them battle it out. I'm actually very interested in the outcome of that because Liu Yang has, um, what is it, like a 6.6 now or something? 6.5. 6.5. But anyway, at the last, the last, um, Chinese Olympic trials, he scored a 15.7. So you can say all you want about domestic domestic scoring, but even if you take away two tenths, that's still, you know, what Petronius scored in Doha. Yeah, and like domestic scoring, Doha scoring, are they any different, really? <laughs> yeah, so... So I think it's going to be close. Yeah, I am. I am glad we get to see that that showdown. Like I say, I don't I'm not saying I'm not happy that Petronius qualified. I just don't really like the way that it happened. I don't know. And then also, obviously, the implications of that were that. Because Liu Yang didn't get the World Cup spot on rings, it was then open for other Chinese gymnasts to get a World Cup spot because it's one per country. Um, so you how ended up getting the parallel bars spot. Right. Well, we'll get, get to the later. world. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to the World Cup spots in a minute. So um, silver in Doha went to Arthur Zanetti um, with a 14.933. And then bronze went to Mahdi Ahmad Kohani of Iran with a 14.8, which... I was not expecting, but he did really well, and I'm super happy for him. Vault was a similar situation to Pommel Horse, I guess. Hidenobu Yonakura was there. So Yonakura not only needed to win, but needed to get a certain score to get the vault spot over um, Shin Jae-won of Korea. And Yonakura did win with an average of 15.016. But that was not enough to get the vault spot, and we will not be seeing him in Tokyo, unfortunately. Yeah, he needed, um, I think it was like 15.091, so he was less than a tenth away, which... Again, similar to Keiko, and sad that we can't have everyone in the Olympics. Yeah, but it's also amazing that he got that close, because... He basically needed to stick both vaults, and he had, like, a tiny hop on his first vault, and that was, like, it. So I just feel bad for him because 
obviously he missed out on the uh, the Japanese selection on a tie break, and then he also missed out on the World Cup spot by less than a tenth. So he got really quite unlucky this year, but that's how it goes, I guess. Hopefully, I don't know. Maybe we'll see him at Worlds. Silver went to Igor Radivilov with a 14.774, and then Andrei Medvedev of Israel uh, came in third with a 14.733. Unfortunately, Medvedev did not qualify to Tokyo either. So, yeah. And then fourth, I, uh, fourth was Ademisil with his second attempt at the Risei Guang 2. So that meant we actually had three of those in that final with obviously yeah. him, Radivilov and Medvedev, and they all hit them, which was just crazy. Yeah, it was bonkers. So parallel, parallel bars. I was actually watching this with my brother and Farat Arachan was up and I was telling my brother Oh, he has, like, the most difficult or the second most difficult routine in the world. No, it is the most, the 7.0. I was like, oh, he has the most difficult routine in the world, but, like, he's kind of sloppy, so that's where he loses medals a lot of the time, and I kind of hate it because I wish he had better form. And then it was like Farat heard me and did the best routine I've ever seen him do, and he got a 15.566. Yeah, it was really impressive. Like, so I had, I had to eat my words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's still fur hat. There was still a bit of like, dude, what are your feet doing? <laughs> um, but I mean, he also did the 7.0 in Osiek and scored like six tenths lower than he did here. So I'm telling you, he heard me talking crap. Yeah, he was like, I'm going to show you. And then in second was Petra Pakniak with a 15.0. And third was Kaya Sousa of Brazil with a 14.633. Now, high bar was pretty close. The winner was Mario Strogio of Cyprus with a 14.466. It was pretty crazy. So I forgot to mention, in the qualifications for Doha, Marios got a 14.9 on Pommel Horse. Obviously, he did not repeat that in event finals, but it was very exciting. He tied for first place with Kurbanov in qualifications. Anyway, so Marios won high bar. In second was Arthur Nori with a 14.4. And then Milad Karimi was in third with a 14.366. So all of the medalists were within one-tenth of each t- each other, which is one of the closest competitions on high bar I can remember in recent years. Yeah, I'm also really impressed with uh, Milad's new and difficult high bar routine. He's done it a couple times this year. I think the first time was at... Ukraine International Cup and it's the one where he does I want to say Coleman connected to Kovacs 
That sounds right. He just needs to clean up a little bit, but it's a very impressive routine. Right, so the apparatus cup spots for Olympic qualification ended up going to Zapata on floor, Kamayama on pommel horse, Petrunius on rings, Shinji Wan on vault, Yu Hao on parallel bars, and then Epka Zonderland on high bar. We've had a couple people pull out of Tokyo, so we've had some substitutions there. First, Andre Likovitsky is apparently injured, so that allowed for first reserve David Jessen to be called up. And we finally got confirmation that Manrique Lardouet of Cuba apparently stopped training back in February, so he relinquished his spot, and that meant um, second reserve Tomas Gonzalez is now getting to compete. And I know a lot of people really like Tomas, so they were really excited about that. Who doesn't love Tomas Gonzalez? It's going to be his third Olympics? Third or fourth? Third. It's going to be his third Olympics. Really? Yes. Although, like, love Tomas, really excited he gets to compete. But if Manrique is, like, not training. I'm not sure he said that he's retired, but he's not training at the moment. Not sure what that means for like the future or whatever, but if Well the the Cuban Federation seems like there's a lot of drama and messiness right now, so Yeah. Things are not looking great for them and it's upsetting. Yeah, yeah it's it's not good. I mean they have Gymnasts other than Manrique, I mean, like, Randy Leru is um, the other kind of top name from Cuba for the men. So I'm hoping that even if Manrique isn't competing, they'll still send him and maybe some other guys to competitions. But I think part of the problem is, is that they don't really have the money. I mean, there's other stuff going on, but... Remember there was some drama a few years back because they were only able to send the men to the world championships and not yeah. the women? Yeah. It's yeah, it's rough because they've got really talented gymnasts, but the federation is like a mess and they don't have the funding to send them to competitions and things. So, yeah. But I hope we're not going to have like another long stretch where we don't really see any Cuban gymnasts competing. I'm hoping that, yeah, even though Manrique won't be in Tokyo, hopefully they'll send Randy to Worlds or something. I don't know. I just hope this isn't like a very bad sign for the future of Cuban gymnastics as a whole. Okay, so I think the last thing we have to talk about before we go to our anticipated top scorers in the, in the Olympics are the U.S. Olympic trials. I think we're not going to talk about the, res- like the results in, in detail. Brody Malone won over the two days. So in addition to his national title, he also won this. Ewell came in second again. He was 
three points behind. There weren't really any surprises. The top four all-around guys were the ones who were named to the team, and they were also the ones that that we were predicting to be on the team. Right, so that was Brody, Yule, Shane Wiskus, and Sam Makulik. There was like a brief 30-second moment where Sam fell on the last event, and everyone was like, oh my god, will they maybe send a different guy? And then it was like, of course they won't. He got a (laughs) 14.7 on high bar. Um, 14.75. Oh, sorry. Which actually was second to Brody's 14.8 on night two. So Brody has a 6.5, which is obviously one of the most difficult routines in the world. So that's something to watch out for. Yeah, so all the drama of this team selection was basically confined to the plus one spot, which also didn't actually end up being that dramatic, did it? Right, so the plus one spot ended up going to Alec Yoder. Now, Alec did really well on night one, did okay on night two. Night two, he only scored 14.55. Steven Nederosic actually fell on night one, but then on night two, he did his 6.7 routine and only scored a tenth higher than Alec, so he got a 14.65, and... A lot of people thought it was going to come down to either Yoder or Nederosic. But Alex Diab also, you know, did his thing on rings. He got a 14.5 on night one. But then on night two, he got a 14.9. So it was really just a conversation between or about the three of them. But I think in the end, it came down to Yoder being more consistent than Nederosic. And Alex Diab, as much as I love him, doesn't quite have the difficulty to contend for a medal on rings. And Alec does. Yeah, his difficulty is like 6.0, right? Yep. I I think if he really wants a medal at like you know, a higher level international competition, he's going to need to bump that up to like a 6.2 at least. Yeah, because, I mean, 0.2 difference, maybe like on the surface doesn't sound like that much, but for rings, everything is so Everything is so close on rings that that really makes a difference. Yeah, and you've also got to consider like, like we were saying before, Liu Yang, who's going to Tokyo, has a 6.5. Petronius has a 6.3. Ladario has a 6.4. Like, the top guys, like you say, have, like, minimum 6.2. And, like, right. 6.3 is what you really want to be. Right. Really and if your execution mix. is the same as them, then you're losing out because you have less difficulty. Yeah. Whereas 6.5 on pommel horse, there's a lot more variation in pommel horse scores. Like, people make big form errors or you know fall it's a lot more unpredictable and 6.5 is very competitive I would say kind of 6.4 plus is going to put you in with a chance yeah I think we would also be remiss if we didn't mention Gage Dyer and Danelle Wittenberg when talking about specialists Danelle actually did all around the first night um, Gage only did floor and vault both nights and then 
second night, Danelle only did floor, rings, and vault. Now, Danelle is not where he used to be on floor as of right now, so they weren't going to take Danelle for floor. Danelle got 14.1 on rings both nights. He also has a 6.0 difficulty, and they weren't going to take him for rings either. So it really came down to vault. Now, we had some some issues as to how USAG was reporting the second vault. They usually only give you the score for the first vault. He did the Risaguang, so the soup double tuck with the full twist. And did he do a Dragolescu for the second vault? I can't remember. He did. The first day, he just did double front. And then the second day, he did Dragolescu. Because after the first day, he was like, okay... I need to go all out. I need to do the Dragolescu to try and, you know, get the score up. Right, since his floor and rings weren't where he wanted it to be. He had some execution errors on both days for Vault. Like, they weren't great. Like, it's, um, I love that he's back to doing the full difficulty on Vault, but his execution was not where it needed to be. Yeah, I mean, the, the first day his Riseguang was pretty good, but then his double front was not so good. And then the second day, the Riseguang, he stepped off the mat, and then Dragolescu was very, very low, to the point where, like, I still don't really know how he managed to keep it to his feet. So, Janelle after two days, was not really in consideration for the plus one spot, in in my opinion. Yeah, I think after he did his vault, it was like, okay, yeah, this is unfortunately not going to happen for him. But he said he will be trying for Worlds, so hopefully with a little bit more time, he can maybe get those vaults a bit more solid. And the last specialist we're going to talk about, Gage Dyer. First night on floor, he only scored a 14.25, and I don't think they showed it. So I'm not, I probably could look up the routine, but I just haven't. So I'm not entirely sure what happened there. His execution was a bit lower than than usual. But then night two, he did a lot better, got a 14.65. But I think the fact that his night one score was a little low wasn't helping yeah and also even though 14.65 is like a good score it's not like a i can win an olympic medal with this score score right and not to mention on night two you will score at a 14.8 and then sam got a 14.7 so those the fact that two guys who were named to the team scored higher than him was yeah, not not not, not, in, not in his favor. Yeah, how very Japan of them. <laughs> and then Gage on vault. Now Gage has a Kaz double, and it's great. I think he had some slight execution errors on night one. I don't remember, but his execution was only eight point nine. And he has a second vault, just the Roche, the double front, which. He apparently only learned in a couple of weeks, which is crazy. 
Mm. Yeah, and, and there's been some talk of him maybe upgrading to the Dragolescu with a bit more time. So. Yeah, he seems to learn skills super quickly, so I would not be surprised if he ended up doing the Dragolescu for their world's trial. One name we haven't mentioned yet is Eddie Pnev. Oh, God. And unfortunately, Eddie injured himself, like, just a couple of days prior to Olympic trials and did not compete and obviously was not in contention for that plus one spot or worlds, really. So... I know, obviously, you can never say how things would work out, but I really think he would have had a really good chance at the spot. That's why I'm sad. Okay, I guess now we need to talk about the drama. Where do I even want to start with this? So after the Olympians were announced, they also announced who was invited to the world championship trials. And according to their selection procedures, anyone who was invited to this world championship trials are the people who would be receiving funding as a national team member. Now, USAG only has funding for 12 guys. The national team, there's actually... 20. They named 21, but Matt Wenske announced his retirement after trials. So they have 20 guys, but they only have 12 funded spots. So they invited everyone named to the Olympic team to trials. So Brody, Ewell, Sam, Shane, and Alec. And Alex Diab also earned an automatic invitation by their selection procedures. So they had to use discretionary selection to name anyone else to their world's trials. So they decided to look at the event specialist next and decided to invite Danelle, Gage, and Steve. And their document says that they thought about not inviting anyone else, so it just being those nine guys and they, they totally could have done that because they're only allowed to bring six people. And Worlds are only three up. It's not a team event, so they're only put, allowed to put three people up per, per event. But they decided to invite more people anyway. And this document says that they went with the next two highest all-around athletes from trials and invited Brandon Briones and Akash Modi. So if you're counting... That's 11, 11 funded spots. And then this document says they went through individual events again and decided to invite Cameron Bach because he finished top five on three events. So they have 12 guys who are invited to this World Championships trials, and they only had 12 funded spots. So the issue then became, well, Alan Bauer who is one of the alternates for the team, is the only alternate not getting funding. So, like, are they just supposed to expect him to train for free for the next two months? So 
the alternates who I've neglected to mention so far. Alex Dieb is the reserve for the plus one spot. And then the team alternates were Alan, Akash, Brandon, and Cameron. So out of all those guys, again, Alan is the only one not getting funding. So they voted to fund Alan through August so he could continue training for Tokyo. However, Paul Judah, who is the one who got the plus one spot for USA at Pan Ams, is also not getting funding. And everyone's pretty mad about this. And USAG is blaming everything on the selection procedures because they went by their selection procedures. But they wrote the selection procedures. So the procedures are bad. They didn't even really go by their selection procedures. Jim Castic gets a little more detailed about this if you want to give them a listen. But yeah, they're blaming their selection pr- procedures for being poorly thought out and poorly written, even though they didn't even follow said procedures. A giant mess. That's what it is. Now, when the procedures for determining who gets funding, when they were released in late May, it was noted that, like, they didn't guarantee funding for Olympic alternates. I don't think anyone said anything about the plus one because we weren't even sure if we would get it. But it was noted. And I think maybe because it was kind of an abstract concept at that point, maybe because it didn't have a particular name attached to it, it didn't blow up the way that it has the past week. It didn't seem like this kind of situation would happen where an alternate wouldn't receive funding or the guy that got the plus one wouldn't receive funding. Like, like I guess it's not an unreasonable assumption that those, that all of the alternates and the guy who got the plus one would be invited to the world's selection camp. But Obviously, the worst possible situation happened, and these guys are kind of left in the dust. And it's not even just about the selection procedures. It's how all of this was done. Because, first of all, USA Gymnastics only told the guys who got funding that they got funding. They didn't even bother contacting the rest of the national team. So, like... Everyone else on the national team who wasn't invited to the world's selection camp, they they weren't told. They found out from, like, their teammates or their coaches, which is, like, why can't you just email everyone on the national team? That makes zero sense. And in regards to Pan Ams, it was the same weekend as the national championship. So, like, apparently they were having trouble getting enough guys who wanted to go so as an incentive they said that you know one if you go you'll automatically be named to the national team and then two if anyone happens to get that plus one spot that person will get one of the funded national team spots like they told people if you get the plus one you will get the funding and that is not what happened The way that the procedures were written is that the number one criteria is everyone named to the Olympic team. Again, 
the replacement athletes or reserves are not included. And then number two was anyone invited and who accepted the invitation to the world championships trials. Like I mentioned before, they ended up naming 12 people through number one and number two. Now, number three, as written, states the MPC, the Men's Program Committee, will name the remaining funded national team spots based on the following discretionary criteria. And then the first bullet point is whoever got the plus one. But the fact that it says the remaining funded spots and not any remaining funded spots is like you're assuming that less than 12 people will be invited to the world championships trials but they filled all 12 spots through one and two so yeah the npc screwed up majorly on this one not not to mention not to mention that they were you know verbally telling people if you get the plus one you'll automatically get funding which is kind of what their procedure says but then they like totally disregarded that when they did the when they had their meeting about who to invite to the world's trials yeah i think obviously like the fact that there's not enough funding for like what the athletes deserve is a problem obviously it's a usag problem but like not necessarily a problem with the like men's whatever they're called i don't remember um, them but like the way it was handled is definitely right. their problem that they made for themselves right like there's major communication problems like if you're telling your athletes that like if you do this this other thing will will happen like that's a promise and then you go back on that how should anybody expect to have trust in you? Yeah. A mess. A whole, whole mess. We're not saying that anyone else doesn't deserve funding, but leaving Alan and Paul in the dust like that is a little, not a little, it's very distasteful, to put it lightly. Yeah. Like, for an organization that, constantly repeats that they're athlete-centric this is not athlete-centric okay so now i think we can finally move on to our top picks for each event at the olympics are you ready okay do we want to start with events or all around we can do all around first because all around final comes first yes it does who do you think is going to win? Well, I think most people would be surprised if Nikita Nagorny did not win. However, he does have a few people that could give him a run for his money. Hmm. So, unfortunately, we won't know if one of those people will be Zhang Boang, but... <laughs> yeah. Because he he has currently the highest all-around score of the year. It's domestic, but still. He got an 88.565 at the last Chinese Olympic trials. But the person with the second highest score of the year will be there. Yes. Yes. 
Daiki, who got an 88.532 at All Japan in April. Notably, Sunway got an 88.430 also this year. Not entirely sure if that's going to hold up internationally, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the, the Chinese internal trial scores is we don't have any footage. Well, we have a little bit of footage, but we don't have, like, full routines. So it's kind of hard to know how accurate the scores are. I wouldn't have Sunway as, like, one of my very top contenders, but, like, top five for sure. Yes. Also... We can't forget to mention Zhao Rutang, who of obviously <laughs> former world champion. So yeah, so for me, my top five, like not necessarily in any order, but for me, like I'm expecting the top five to be Nikita, Zhao Rutang, Daiki, Sunwei, and I mean any of the Japanese guys could make the final, but. I think the most likely second one is Takeru. So they're like my top five that I'm kind of counting on being. Over over Kazuma. Yes. Okay. I, well, don't, he, I don't hate it. <laughs> the very first day of Nationals, he got the highest score. And it was higher than any of the scores that Kazuma's gotten at any of the competitions. Okay, well... We'll see if Kazuma's consistency wins out or not. Well, that's the thing. I also think that Takeru is extremely consistent. I mean, he had a few problems this year with his injury, but if he's, like, at full force, I feel like he's just as consistent. And he has better form, actually. But like I say, any of, like, I mean, I said Daiki and Takeru, but it could just as well happen that, like, Kazuma and Wataru make the final instead. That's fair. I mean, with the Chinese guys, Sunway is obviously not the most consistent. So if he had some problems, Lin Xiaopan could maybe make the final over him. But I think that's less likely. Just some other guys we think are going to be in the top 10, 12, 15, maybe. Well, we've got 14 on this list. So, <laughs> David Belyavsky or or Alexander Kartsev, depending on who makes the all-around final. Yeah, uh, I think for them, again, it depends what goes down in qualifying. I think David has the higher potential. I could see him being top eight if he hits. I think for Kartsev, maybe not quite so high because he's got a lot less difficulty. Also, the Turkish guys, Adam Asil and Amet Onder, are my two picks. I think they could probably make the all-around final over Farat. Although Farat was the one who qualified through all-around at Worlds over Amet Onder. So. Yeah, and I have actually been wondering if Farhat will do all-around or if he'll just focus on parallel bars and maybe pommel horse, where his like best chances are. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I'll be interested to see. Yes. Also, um, have to mention Ilya Kovtun. We've already talked about him quite a bit this episode. Also want to mention Brody Malone and Joel Moldauer, I think. I think they'll be the two Americans to make it into the all-around final. 
Oh, and we don't, we didn't write them down, but I also just remembered the British guys, Joe Fraser and James Hall. I think they could push for the, the top kind of 15, like you say. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay, shall we move on to the events? Yes, floor. So I'm kind of thinking for floor, we're going to see maybe a repeat of the like battle for first that we had at the last worlds between Carlos Yulo and Artem Dolgopiat. I think they're really the two kind of front runners. The other top guys most likely to medal, Nikita and um, Raider Lisa Prada, I think. Yeah, I think they're kind of the favorites for like to contend for bronze. Nikita has never won a world medal on floor somehow. How? Um, How? Yeah. But you know who has is um, Shiro Tung. So <laughs> maybe he'll be in contention. I don't know. Yeah, they're the kind of top contenders, I would say. Yeah, so some other guys we think can make the final. Malad Karimi, Ryu Sunghyun, who... Um, He's my, like, underdog pick for a bronze, I think. that would doesn't, be. doesn't have too much senior experience due to COVID. He did win whatever it was that he won. Melbourne? <laughs> Melbourne, yeah. And um, Adam Asiel, who also won a World Cup. Baku. Yes, the one where we had to count qualifications. My least favorite World Cup of all time. Yes. Other potential finalists, Kim Hansol and Gianni Regina Moran. I think that's about it for Floor. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, this shouldn't, yeah, this shouldn't be news to anyone, but um, the uh, reigning Olympic floor champion will not be doing floor at the Olympics. Yeah, and I'm not expecting Arthur Nori to qualify to the final here either. Yeah, but then again, I was not expecting him to qualify to the final in Rio either. So stranger things have happened. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> we could get a complete surprise. All right, Pama Horse. Um, Wait a second. What? We didn't mention any of the Japanese guys. Oh. You were supposed to double check me. I I completely like. Oh my god. Daiki has a triple double, and we didn't even mention it. He got a fifteen at nationals. (laughs) Anyone else that you would like to mention? Um, I think it's mostly Daiki. I mean. The others don't have as well. His difficulties not high either. I don't know. I mean, any of the Japanese guys could probably sneak in there on a good day. Yeah, Japan. Yes, we can. <laughs> so I think the top three on most people's minds are the medalists from 2019. So Max Whitlock, Lee Kai, and Reese McClanken. Yeah. But it's definitely not a given that they're going to be the medalists. No. I As think, we said before, Pommel Horse is one of the more unpredictable events. Yeah, and the field is so deep 
like it's gonna be good <laughs> yes we've also got european champions matvey petrov and artur dachian um, there's also Belyovsky. Yes. And He's then a European champion. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course we've got Kohei Kameyama who got the apparatus cup spot. Mario Storju, who I mentioned just got a fourteen point nine the other weekend. So Jing Yuan, who is really good on Pommel Horse also, which people forget about. We've also got world champion Xiao Tang. And then there's Alec Yoder, Cyril Tomasan. Just between those guys who are all like, all have major medals on this event. Well, I don't think Yoder does, but pretty much everyone else that we've named. Well, does Dojin Yuan have a major? He should have a he should have a world medal, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so almost all of these guys have a major medal on pommel horse and they can't all make it into the final yeah and i mean we say like these are the top guys but it's pommel horse so you'll probably get some guys in there who are just kind of random there's always some like nikita i really want i know it's obviously a long shot particularly because of pommel horse but i want him to make every event final (laughs) Just for fun. He got so close at Euros. Rings? Yes. So, as we mentioned, this is going to be the Liu Yang versus Eltherios Petronius battle. But there's also going to be the medalist from the last World Championship. So, Ibrahim Chalak, Marco Lodadio, Samir Ayid Said, who, by the way, Samir said he will be doing a new element. So he's going to have a skill named after him. No idea what it is. He didn't give any clues. He was just like, it's a surprise. Yeah, I'm excited. I want to know what it is. I have absolutely no idea what it possibly could be. The funny thing is, is that he hasn't announced it in any way, but um, he was chosen as one of France's flag bearers. They pick two. It's him and um, a woman. I'm not sure what sport she does, actually. But, yeah, they were interviewing him about being a flag bearer. And he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm doing this new skill. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, way to just drop that on us with no notice. So looking forward to that. We've also got Yu Hao, who... We know is very good on parallel bars, but is also pretty good on rings. Yeah, he actually has um, the most difficult routine in the world. He's got a 6.6. That's nuts. Yeah, um, his execution is not so good, uh, which is why I wouldn't really put him on the same level as Petronius and Liu Yang. But he's definitely, you know, capable of. So similar, similar to parallel bars. Yeah. Yeah, he's not he's not exactly renowned for his execution, but he's always had like the most difficult routines on those two events. So, I mean, let us not forget he was world silver medalist in 2015 on rings. I forgot about that. <laughs> let but us that. not forget. <laughs> I forget about everything, so. Yeah. 
So we've also got Arthur Zanetti, who obviously was Olympic champion in 2012. Kaio Sousa, Nikita Nagorny, Adam Asil, Igor Radivilov, Denis Sapliazin. Again, another another deep field here. And maybe Zhou Jingyuan for, for sleeper event finalist. Yeah. I Even if it's unlikely he makes the final because of Tupa Country Rule, obviously, with Liu Yang and Liu Yang and Liu Hao, I want him to get, like... I would be nice to see him in top eight because he's definitely capable of it, but obviously his shoulders are hanging on by a thread. All right. Vault. Another <laughs> unpredictable event. So yeah. I desperately need Yang Hexian to win this one again. We yeah. haven't we haven't seen him since Worlds 2019. Um, I don't think there's video of you know any meet any domestic meets that Korea's had this year. But yeah, I mean he was selected for the team. You know, pretty much on the basis of being Yang Hexion. I don't know if I actually even saw any like results from him, but yeah, he's obviously the the main. I don't know if I would call him the favorite because obviously he hasn't won anything in quite a long time. But you know that if he hits his vaults, he he's my he's my heart's favorite. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's you know. He's he's Yang Hexion. He's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we've also got Shekwe Hung, who is the only person now that Risa Gwang has retired to do both Risa Gwang vaults. Yeah, or also the only person to do two 6.0 vaults. So I think it would be really funny if we just repeated the vault podium from 2012 (laughs) because they're all going to be here yeah that's true so Igor Radivilov obviously has competed a number of times this year already and he's been remarkably consistent so I think more likely than not he'll get a medal I don't know He's consistently getting, like, 14.7 average. Yeah, I don't know if that'll be enough. Okay, fair. Bold claim. Bold claim, I, I know. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, like, what he showed at, like, Osiek would be enough. Obviously, it depends what everyone else does. Yeah. But I think if the if, if everyone hits, I don't think it would be enough. Yeah, so our other medalist from 2012 is um, Dennis Abiazin. No idea what he looks like now. I personally haven't seen any videos, but... There's a few training clips on um, Instagram. He's looking okay, but, I mean, in 2016, he had a Risa Guang and a Li Xiaopeng, and now he's had to downgrade to a soup double pike and a handspring two and a half which is obviously still two 5.6 volts which makes him very competitive but he's not you know it's not the level he used to be also we've got shin jae who got the apparatus cup spot on vault there's 
Adam Asil, who we were talking about earlier, who has a really nice Risa Gwang too. Obviously, uh, Nikita Nagorni is the reigning world champion. I wouldn't consider him one of the favorites for a vault medal, though, because his soup double pike is questionable. So uh, is Adam Asil's. So. <laughs> yeah. But at Russian Cup, he did, like, one of the best ones he's ever done. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's not, like, definitely not going to happen. I also didn't expect him to win Worlds. So, we'll see. I also, I want to mention um, Carlos Yulo because, obviously, he's known for floor. But there was, like, a press release from, like, the Philippines Gymnastics Association, I think, last week. And they said his goal is gold on floor and silver on vault, which seems like a very strange and specific target. He got 10th in the all-around at the World Championships, which is how he qualified to Tokyo. He didn't qualify by virtue of his floor score, but it doesn't seem like he's prioritizing the all-around, so I'm not sure that he'll do all six events maybe just like we said floor and vault I, th- I think he is going to because there was another article that was talking about like it was basically like explaining the qualification system obviously because gymnastics isn't that well known in the philippines but he's he's a pretty big deal there well in that case i think we neglected to mention him in our top all-around group oh my god we really did <laughs> that's terrible <laughs> oh god Okay, um, <laughs> so I don't know. Silver on vault just seemed really specific. Like, so it's like, has he upgraded? Has he just like improved? Because he has two 5.6 vaults, but they're not that consistent. Yeah, so that's an interesting one. Yeah, um, and I don't. I don't think he did. He did the vaults at like all Japan or anything. No, at All Japan, he's only been doing parallel bars. Right. They also said in this article that making the parallel bars finals was another his other, like, target. So that was interesting. And then also the other person I want to mention is Wataru, because he seems to have his Risei Grand 2, like, down. It's been amazing this year. I don't know if he's still training a second vault. I really want him to be because he could totally make the podium, but I don't know if he's just prioritizing, like, team. Because he hasn't competed the second vault all year. But in 2019, he was national vault champion, which is not an easy thing to do in Japan. So I don't know if he's going to do it. I hope he does, but I don't know. Also want to mention Le Tung Tun as a potential finalist because that's how he qualified to Tokyo. All right, so parallel bars. Who do um, we think is the favorite? Well, considering he took out the Tepelt, so Jing Yuan. If he doesn't win, I don't think I will ever recover. <laughs> Yeah. Also, gonna mention Farat Arishan, who has the highest difficulty right now, and current world champion Joe Fraser. 
Yeah, and also like we were saying before, Yu Hao got that World Cup spot on parallel bars and has the same difficulty as Zoji Guan, I think. He's got 6.9, I want to say. No, he has a 6.8. Ah. Close. Yeah. Again, not up the cleanest. There, there. But he's got a lot of difficulty. But then a, a few guys have been, because for a while people were kind of topping out at 6.4, but a few of them are getting over that point. Believsky has a 6.6. Lucas Dowser has a 6.7. Ilya Kovtun has a 6.6. 6.7. 6.7. Christ. Yeah, he did the 6.7 at Varna. Oh, my God. And then world medalist Amet Ander has a 6.6. Does he? Yeah. What? Since when? When did he do that? <laughs> Baku. Last year. Oh, my God. I don't know if he's... I don't think he's done it this year. Oh, he's done 6.5 this year. Yeah. Uh, Petro Pakniak also has a 6.6. Joe uh, Fraser has a 6.7. Oh, well, that's not on my spreadsheet. He did it at the um the Dutch friendly meet. I think I decided not to put that in my spreadsheet. Yeah, friend, friendly meets don't count. I have put them on in the past, but I think I, I think decided this year I was I wasn't gonna do it. Yeah, well the scores were all complete nonsense. So a lot of guys with with the big difficulty. Yeah. And then I think if Arthur Delaloyne is doing dismounts, we can't count him out. Yeah. And obviously Nikita Nagorni is Nikita Nagorni. <laughs> so he's a definite contender. Also, like basically every other Chinese gymnast, like all the Japanese guys could push for the final. Obviously, uh, Kazuma is the current world bronze medalist. So, And then there's also Lucas Dowser and Christian Bauman, who are European medalists. This is really the event where it's like, you can't call it. No. Like, this is the one I would be least confident about predicting. Actually, no, that is a complete lie. <laughs> Vault. Vault is the one I would be least confident about predicting. Well, you know what? I think we were confident about predicting parallel bars results until 2019 Worlds. Yeah. That really just kind of threw us all for a loop. But... Uh, again, anything can happen. Uh, but I think this is the one event where there's, like, there's so many guys with high difficulty. Whereas on the other events, you get kind of one or two who have massive difficulty and then not so much the others whereas here it's like we've you know, like we were saying we've got multiple guys with like 6.6 and up so what would be your like dream podium um this is hard my dream podium which is not realistic is so jing Wan. Arthur Delaloyan and Lucas Dowser. Oh, I wasn't expecting Arthur to be in there. Yeah, I wasn't either. But <laughs> <laughs> you just felt it. Yes. See, I was thinking that, but with David instead of Arthur. 
Okay. I think, like, like, I think there are others that I maybe do like more than Lucas, but I just feel like Lucas just, he really deserves <laughs> God. In the European Championships, I wanted him to medal in the worst way. I mean, I, <laughs> I talked about that the last episode, but, like, if he could get an Olympic medal, too, I would be super happy. He just, I tell you what, I'm still not over when he deserved to win Europeans in 2017. And he didn't. I will never, I will never get over that. (laughs) I'm laughing about it now, but like, I was devastated at the time. Yeah. Not cool. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Hi, Bob. I think we are in agreement about who we want to be the top three. Yes. Though we may have them in different orders. (laughs) Probably. Kohei Uchimura, Tin Serbich, and Teng Chaihan. Magnastic's top three. You heard it here first. Yeah. Is that in that order? I don't care about two and three as much. So I'm I'm willing to be persuaded otherwise. Yeah. So obviously Kohei has to win. We can all agree on this. Yes. I would have Teng Chaihan second. And Tin third, but like you say, I'm willing to compromise <laughs> as long as all three of them get a medal and Kohei wins. Yes. I'm willing to compromise. <laughs> right. Also, can't forget current world champion Arthur Nori. I think we can mention Sam Akulik and Brody Malone as potential finalists here. Yeah, I've I've been saying it for like the last few weeks, but I do think that USA's best chance of a medal is Brody on high bar. Which is interesting because I feel like the past couple of years, everyone's kind of been yelling that USA is weak on high bar. And now they have not one, but two potential finalists. Yeah. Obviously, um, Robert Foragal is excellent. I'd love to see him in the final. European champion and European games champion. I think we need to talk about Epke Zonderland. Um, yeah. Obviously, he got the Apparatus Cup spot. But where it seems like some people really benefited from this extra year, it kind of did the opposite for Epka. He doesn't sound like he's in great shape. At this point, his goal is to just make the final. And he doesn't believe he will contend for a medal here. For me, that's not that surprising to hear because, like, at Europeans, he didn't make the final. Um, I was like, oh, he's got a long way to go to contend for a medal in Tokyo. But it's sad to hear that he's struggling. Also, we have to mention his teammate, Bart Durlow. He's been showing some pretty crazy combinations on social media. Yeah. At the, at the Dutch Friendly with GB, he actually competed a... 6.8 routine, which is the hardest in the world. Yeah, that's has a 6.6. Obviously, form is the thing that will hold his scores back. But with a big number like that, it will soften the blow of the, <laughs> of the execution score. If we're going to talk about Kohei, we also need to mention Daiki because... 
Daiki actually outscored Kohei at um what was it, the All Japan event finals? Yes. Did we mention David Belyavsky? I don't think he's gonna have any impact. Maybe not, but he he's is, got a five point seven. But he is European champion, right? So he is European champion. <laughs> Pablo! Oh my god, we forgot Pablo. Oh my god. <laughs> I knew we were forgetting people. Yes. Pablo Breger. So, sorry, Pablo. Sorry for ruining your Europeans and then also forgetting you. Um, He's got a 6.5? 6.5? Yes. Pablo is a 6.5. I think that's it. Obligatory Nikita mention. I would also throw Malad Karimi's name in there. Yes, yeah, like I was saying before about his his new routine. He's been scoring pretty well with that. Yeah. And I think that is it for our Olympic event final contenders. Do we want to talk about teams? I think for the teams that it's going to be a battle for gold between Japan and China, like the good old days. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a joke <laughs> by the way <laughs> and then unfortunately Russia I think with the Arta situation I think it's going to be hard for them maybe, maybe I'm wrong maybe they'll pull out something special but I do think it's going to be hard for them because I, don't they'll be- think, I don't think it's as assured as some people think which part Russia bronze. In which way? I just mean, obviously, if they had Artur doing all around things, I mean, they would obviously be on the podium, I think. But him not doing all six events, I think, just puts them on shakier ground. I mean, I I still think they are, you know the front runners for bronze. I just think it's a little less certain than it could have been. I don't know. I still think, like, when you consider they were, like, seven points ahead of fourth at Worlds. That's true. Like, they're losing, like, what, two points worth of floor and vault? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he has all four events, and if he can you know, stop with his trend of falling on P-bars in every damn <laughs> team final. I would be incredibly shocked. Something would have to go very wrong. And I'm not saying things can't go wrong, but I think it would have to go very wrong, you know? Because I think that's kind of like the third floor routine and the third vault, are like the only weak events, really, for them. Assuming Arta has his, like, full other routines back. It should be noted that after we recorded this, Russia announced that they were switching Denis Abliazin, who had originally been named as an individual, to the team. And Alexander Kartsev, who was on the team, will now be competing as an individual. We do have an article up on the website, so you can check that out. I think USA are looking good for, like, top four again. GB 
I'm a little bit concerned about on a couple of events because obviously having Max who's doing three events so they've got some kind of shaky ground on rings particularly and also high bar so I think I know they've come fifth the last two years but I could maybe see a team like Switzerland maybe or Brazil sneaking up there into the top five I'm really hoping that Taiwan make the team final again that would be really cool that would be really awesome obviously it's just awesome that they're there as a team but team final would definitely be awesome and Ukraine I am really hoping can make the team final I definitely think they can but historically the Ukrainian guys don't so much love qualifications so I think they can make it even without Oleg and I think they could even push for like kind of top five at their very best but whether or not they'll pull it off I don't know all right I think that wraps everything up thank you guys for listening and we'll see you after the Olympics see you